Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, i got to ask you a question as we get into our study. You go, what's that, Pastor Ben? Have you ever wanted something that someone else had? You go, well, Ben, of course. I mean, you know, somebody has a $300 golf club. I want that golf club. If it can hit the ball a little bit farther than 20 yards, of course. Okay, I get that. I get that. See, he said amen right there. But I think a better question, guys, in light of our text is, have you ever looked at someone who was happy, content, healthy, loving, gentle, kind, considerate, Someone who possessed all the qualities of a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman and thought ever so sincerely, I want what they have. I want what they have. Because here's what we do, guys. We take a comparison. We look at their life and we see qualities and we know they're sincere because they're not trying to, you know, you know those that are trying to fake it. Oh, praise the Lord. How? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sincerity of someone you're just like, man, I want that. Why are they, man, they went through turmoil and they have peace and they have joy and, 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 and the qualities and, and, and I want to be like them. And then quietly in the back of our mind, we say, why can't my life be like this? Listen, I believe the gospel is in someone is super contagious. Let me say that again. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ in the life of a believer is super contagious. When we really see the gospel lived out in the life of any person, guys, we are attracted to it. We want to possess it. We marvel at it. We're drawn to it like a moth to flames. It really is. That's kind of what's going on. Now, there are times, let's be honest, are we not confused on how a belief can be so radiant in a person's life? Are we not marveled by the fact that, like, wait a minute, you're living so much, this is how you believe? Let me give you an example. Let's take a moment, guys, to examine the life of Paul. See, Acts chapter 9, we see an incredible conversion of Saul to Paul. Do you guys remember that? Here is a man named Saul, breathing threats and violence against who? The disciples, against anybody who called themselves a Christian. Back then, they didn't call yourself a Christian. They called it the way. And so Paul hears, wait a minute, I hear some things going on there in where? In Damascus. Let me go get those people. I'm going to drag them to prison. They'll know not to speak the name of Jesus. So there he goes, right? He gives his entourage, he gets his guys, and he, there he is in Acts chapter 9, he's walking on the road to Damascus, and, and all of a sudden, out of heaven, God intervenes. Aren't you glad God intervenes in our lives? Aren't you glad that he stops in the middle, and what does he do? There's this bright light that's shown from Paul. Paul literally freaks out. Now, the Bible doesn't say he's on a horse, but if he was, God knocked him off his high horse, didn't he? Because the Bible says he's on the ground, and, and what's the question? He says, he says, Paul goes, who are you, Lord? I mean, in, it, in the context, he's like really freaked out. 
And when I read that text, here's what blows my mind. You'll have some of these popular televangelists say, man, you know, the other night Jesus showed up in my room. And I said, Jesus, we had to talk. Listen, if Jesus is going to come in your room, you're gonna, it's going to be so bright he's going to knock you down. Amen? Amen. And I mean, that's, that's what we got. We got to give God honor and reverence, honor and reverence due. So there's Paul. He's knocked down. He says, who are you, Lord? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and I bet Saul's like, dude, I didn't, what do you mean persecuting you? I'm persecuting those who, who are false in the way. And he says, no, no, no. Why are you persecuting me? And here's what I love about that. Listen, when you're persecuted, they're persecuting Jesus. Do you understand that? When you're persecuted in this life, when people don't like you, when people say things about you, when they gossip, when they're rumored about you, when they actually oppose you, they're not really doing it to you as much as they're doing it to Jesus. Wow, doesn't that shed some light? It's, Paul, 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 why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? And he tells them, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're, why are you kicking against the goads? You guys know the story, right? But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. In Acts chapter 9, the story is just amazing, but the point I want to bring out is what happened to Paul? Okay, Paul's on the, he's bright light, knocked off his high horse. The people around him like, what's going on? We hear a voice, but we don't see anything. Paul sees something, but listen to what he says. In Acts chapter 9, verse 8, he says, Then Saul arose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. You go, wow, what happened? Listen to what he just said. Paul is blinded by love. You go, what do you mean? He's blinded by love. Something happened that when he opened his eyes, guys, he couldn't see. He was literally blind. Now, you got to understand what's going on in your mind. He sees a bright light. You're literally blinded. What are you thinking? Is this temporary? Am I blind forever? What's going on? This is starting. My heart's starting to palpitate. Are you kidding me? What's happening? And he says, okay, so what happened? Well, I know that God is love, and I'm blinded by the Lord Jesus Christ. So they take him to Damascus, and in verse 9, it says, in three days... He was without sight, nor neither did he eat or drink. So he's in a fasted state. And I could imagine whatever he saw, as he saw the Lord Jesus in all of his glory, he couldn't eat or drink anything. And he couldn't see. What's going on? And again, what's going on in Paul's mind? And then so he's sitting there three days. What's happening? Am I going to stay this way? He's recounting the whole thing. Then it says, then in, in, Chapter 9, verse 17, it says, Then God sent a man named Ananias. And Ananias went his way, and he entered the house, and laying his hands, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What? This is so cool. Why? Because after Paul met Jesus on the road... The Bible says that he was filled with God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit. So here you have this amazing conversion. Do you understand? Paul is blinded by love. He can't see. He's contemplating, is this long-term? Is this short-term? What does this mean? Ananias comes in and confirms, you met Jesus. You met God incarnate. This is amazing. And he says, now be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in, in verse 20, it says, immediately, here's what happened to Paul's life. He began to preach the gospel in the synagogues. He began to preach Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. And it says, and all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that we might bring them bound to the chief priests? Isn't this the dude? Isn't this the popo? 
That's what he's saying. Isn't this the guy that wants to, to, to hurt us? Isn't this the guy? And they say, yeah, but listen, something happened. It said, Paul increased, guys, listen, all the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. What was he saying? He was proving that Jesus is the Christ. Now, notice what it says in verse 23. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. You go, Pastor, what's the point? I want you to underline verse 23. You go, why? Because it was during this time that Paul spent three years in Arabia before he joined the disciples. You guys, you understand that, okay? And you go, Pastor, what's the point? Guys, when Paul left and he went to Arabia, when he left Damascus and he went to Arabia, he didn't have any other influence. It was him and God alone. Him and God alone for three years, walking, being discipled by God, by, by listening and, and, and saturating himself. And what God did, I believe, guys, is he showed Paul the gospel in depth. In depth. Deep in the heart. You see, here's what I want you to see. Something deep within Paul had changed. Something deep, right? Paul wasn't just a believer. He didn't just go, oh, well, I got saved, amen. Praise God, I got this t-shirt, I got a t-shirt, I put a fish on my, on my car, amen. Paul said, no, 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 something intrinsically changed. Something so deep. See, he was now an apostle, he was a disciple. So much so, guys, that Paul began his ministry that people wanted to kill him. That's how much he was on fire for the Lord. Something had changed. Now, here's what I want you to do. In your own minds, I want you to contrast the conversions we have today and Paul's conversion. You know, okay, okay, okay. So, so, so what are you saying? Well, the Bible said that Ananias came to him and said, Paul, you got to suffer many things, man. You're going to suffer for the gospel. You're going to suffer for people. Paul, this is the ministry that I've called you to. You're like, okay, okay. I got a question. Guys, what possesses a man to preach the gospel? You know what I'm saying? To tell people that Jesus loves you so very much that he has a plan for your life. He resurrected. He loves you. He's going to take care of you. I promise this is amazing. And then the Bible says this in in chapter 14, guys. It says, then some of the Jews heard this and they arrived from Antioch and Iconium and they won the crowds to their side that they stoned Paul. And dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. So Paul's there preaching. Hey, Lisa, Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Oh, he's, he wants to take those, he, those hurts and those pains that you've lived with. He wants, to, he wants to make you whole. And the group of people are like, no, 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 we don't want this. So they incite the rest of the crowd and they throw, this is what it means to be stoned. They threw rocks at him so much so that Paul was lying there lifeless. He was hit, he was bloodied, he was knocked out, that they dragged him to the edge of the town and they let him die. Why? Because they figured the birds would come pick up the flesh, should be done and over with. We don't have to bury somebody. So that's what they did, see? You see, Paul wasn't robbing banks. Paul wasn't embezzling money. Paul wasn't, he wasn't being evil. He wasn't murdering people. He was telling people about Jesus and they were so ugly and awful that they wanted to kill him. Now, listen. What happens to us when we, spread, when we share the gospel? Well, that's your... And, we, and they get hostile to us. And we're like, oh, hey, okay, fine. 
And Paul's like getting beat up. He's, he's like dead. They drag him dead. And look what happens. The Bible says, and, and a group of believers got around him, and he got up and went back into the town. That blows my mind every time I think of Paul. Because I've got to be honest with you. Let's be honest. Okay? If you throw one rock at me, I ain't going back into your town. I'll just go on somewhere else. One rock. But there was something different. Paul was, I mean, think about it. He went back into town. I want you to picture, see, we picture Paul got up and he was, listen, he was bruised, bloodied, crusted. I mean, think about this. He was, and then he walks back in. I mean, that would have freaked some people out too, don't you think? It's the dead guy, right? That's the guy we get, oh my, he's, but Paul comes in and what does he do? The love of Christ compelled him. I got to tell you. You see, listen, you, you try to kill me. You try to kill me, but you don't understand eternity. You don't understand separated from God. You don't understand the gospel. I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you. And that's, and that's what he does, right? What would possess a man to stay in prison when there was an earthquake and all the jail doors open, right? They're there, Paul, and it's midnight and they're in prison, right? And all of a sudden, and, and the chains fall off and the doors open. I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, we're free. I bolt. Just me? Come on, can I get a witness, somebody? Right? I'm thinking that's God's provision. Can I get an amen? amen? Not Paul. Paul with the gospel deep in his heart. He says, oh, oh, if we leave, it's certain death for the jailer. Because as you were the guard and, and you, your prisoners escaped, regardless if it was, an, you couldn't like feel like, well, it was an earthquake, sorry. You killed yourself. And Paul sees the gates open and he says, hey, don't hurt yourself. We're still here. We're still, this, doesn't that blow, guys, doesn't that blow your mind? Paul shouts, stop! Don't kill yourself. We're here. You know what the Bible says? The jailer, listen, the jailer and his family got saved. Listen to this account real quick, right? Acts chapter 16, verse 30 says, and he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Everybody say saved. Because the reason we think about saved is we think, okay, I prayed a prayer, I got saved, Jesus came in my heart, I mean, I'm saved, boom. But I think salvation in such its deepest form is they understood the gospel far greater than we have. Okay, salvation in its, in its beautiful form is, is God, not, it, it's, it's just, man, think about it, we're saved, positionally, we're saved. God looks at us and he sees Jesus, amen. The Bible tells that you and I, guys, we need to rest in that. In the book of Hebrews, rest in the fact that Jesus' sacrifice paid it all once and for all. He's our great high priest. And you go, amen. The second is, is progressive sanctification, progressive salvation, becoming more like Jesus, walking in the healing, walking in the love that he's given us, walking in the compassion, demonstrating the attributes of God to other people. And then glorification, that's my favorite part. My favorite part is glorification. You go, why? Because that's when my faith actually becomes sight. That's where I get to see Jesus. Think about this. Are we not ready for our eternal home? Our eternal home. Listen, we're here. Man, we're going we're gonna to work hard for Jesus. We're going to tell others, but I'm ready to go to my eternal home forever. The problem is, can, can we be honest in church? The problem is, is that our little... Finite brains don't understand the glory in heaven and, and all that encompasses that. We can't even think what we're going to do next week, much less eternity. 
And so, and so we're going, I don't really get it. And so it hasn't really penetrated our heart. But think about eternity. Think about forever. Think about an eternal peace. Wow. But when we live in this world, we see death is so permanent that, oh, what's so per- death is permanent. It's just per- oh, no, we don't want to die. We don't. Of course we don't want to die. But we want to go home someday. We want to go home today. So the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even in that hour in the night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. He and everyone in their households were immediately baptized. You go, Pastor, what, what, what was the point? Something's changed in Paul. And the jailer recognized that and said, I want that. And the very jailer that was guarding prisoners is now bandaging him up and caring for them. And his whole family saved. His whole family saved. Something's changed. And I believe that Paul understood the gospel. Guys, all it's the full gospel better than we do in our day. You see, Paul knew the resurrection power found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, what do you mean? Well, think about it, guys. The gospel heals our wounds and our broken hearts. This life will shatter you. This life will hurt you. That's just a given. But Jesus takes that heart and he puts it back. That's the gospel. The gospel brings joy and happiness, listen to me, even in tough times. Because this, this isn't all it is. You see, sometimes you get that pink slip from your boss, you're fired. We can't, you're, you're a, and, 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 oh, what are we going to do? But that's not all there is, is there? But eternity, even in tough times, you go, God still has me. God still has me. The gospel heals our tethered emotions. You see, the gospel heals, listen to this, our toxic thinking as well as changes our hearts. You go, Pastor, what are you saying? Listen, it's the gospel is it's so, there's so much in it. Uh, there's a book I'm reading called The Gospel, and here's what the author writes. Listen to this. Here's what he says: "Quote: The goal of the gospel is to produce a type of people consumed with passion for God and a love for others." Let me say that again. Listen, the gospel, the goal of the gospel, okay, in your heart and in my heart, right, is to produce. You and I consumed, consumed with a passion for God and the love for others. That's what the gospel is going to do. It's going to bring out that passion. That's, that's, that's the whole purpose. It's like, oh my gosh, I am consumed. Have you ever been consumed about something? Have you ever been consumed about something? Have you ever been so consumed about God and a passion for him? And that's what the gospel seeks to do. Okay, and the same writer writes this, and he he says the gospel alone has the power to produce the love of God in our hearts. So the gospel does this. He said there are only two things Paul refers to as the power of God. You ready? The gospel and Jesus himself. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. Now, this is a life changed. How does this play out? Well, after this long introduction, Paul, guys, lived out the gospel every day. And he also gives us good application for our lives, right? You can see that basically we can have that same gospel living in us. And you go, well, Ben, where does it start? Well, here it is. If you're taking note, jot this down. In a passionate love for God and his people. That's where it starts. In a passionate love for God and his people. 
Our problems, guys, is that we feel if we're passionate for Jesus, then everything else has to go away. And it doesn't. Everything else is so much better because of your passion for Jesus. If you've got a bulletin this morning, you know the title of the message is The Reality of the Gospel in Everyday Life. But I want to give you a subtext. You go, what's that? You can jot this down. People matter. People matter. And we're going to see that in Paul's heart. Now, remember last week, okay? We, Paul taught us last week that a right can sometimes be a wrong if people are stumbled by it. See, remember, Paul had every right to be supported as an apostle. Can I get an amen? But he chose to make tents. He chose to get a job so that people could get saved. He chose to put people first. He chose this, guys, when the gospel penetrated his heart. You understand? He had every right. And he looked, and he looked at people, and he said, no, no, no. I choose. I'll make tent if as long as nothing stumbles you. Nothing stumbles you. You see, here's what I'm, here's what I'm fixing to try to, try to convey to us, guys. When we have a super dynamic, wonderful, guys, vertical relationship with God, when this is like out of control good, then you're going to love his people. You're going to love people because that's the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ says, not only I'm going to love people, I want to love people. That's what Paul did. Now, you just need to make a side note, right? Make a mental note. Paul was supported by other churches. You understand, the church of Philippi was supporting him. They were great, but the church in Corinth was a mess. You guys know that, right? That's why we call it a messy church. Some people in the, in the church of Corinth, listen to this, some people didn't even think Paul was an apostle. And, and they were actually withholding their support until they could be otherwise educated. Well, is he an apostle? I don't know. Well, I don't think so. Well, should we support him? No, put your money away. Don't do that. Guys, think about it. That's what he's doing. But I love, I love Paul's response. I love his heart. Why? Because instead of going, this is my right, he said, no, I'm going to forego, listen to me, I'm going to forego my rights in order for you to hear and understand the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to forego my rights. Listen, I'll work. I'll get a job. I don't want anything or anyone to be an obstacle in the way of you and God. You see, the Apostle Paul, guys, declares the importance of preaching the full gospel. What is the full gospel? Well, it includes the manifestation of miracles. We had a miracle with Lisa. Amen. We had a miracle with Nathalie. Healings. We got to still believe in that. That's the gospel. Isaiah tells us that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit to be manifest in our lives. Right? And then similar demonstrations of the Spirit's power. When you begin to witness and all of a sudden scriptures come to mind, you're like, I didn't even know those scriptures. It was so cool. I was just, but, but you did it out of love. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't, listen, I'm going to try to educate you in the Bible. It was like, man, I just got to tell you about Jesus. I just had to tell you about Jesus. And here's what the Bible says. And, 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 and they can see the sincerity in your heart because you love people. Well, why do you love people so much? Because, because you love God. And the same love of God is going to flow in you and through you to other people. Well, but other people hurt me. That's true. But they also hurt my Jesus. 
And if you're living your life for Jesus and other people have hurt you, you're in a good, good, you're in a good camp, aren't you? You're in the camp Jesus. I can imagine, I could not imagine my best friend like Judas at the end, the Last Supper, betraying. I mean, listen, if you're going to betray me, let's do it in the first, you know, the first week that I have you as a disciple, but not, not three years in. That ripped my heart out. Jesus understands. So in verses 15, guys, through 27 in 1 Corinthians, Paul's going to live out the reality, okay? So let's jump into that. This is the reality of the gospel in everyday life. Now, He's going to jump from verse 14. Notice this. He says in verse 14, we picked it up last week. Even so, the Lord has commanded those who preach the gospel, right, should live from the gospel. Okay, that's what he said. Listen, listen, we should be supported. Now, if you're taking note, point number one, the gospel is for you. The gospel is for you. Picking it up in verse 15, Paul says, But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done for me. For it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boast, my boasting void. Okay? Don't you just love what Paul says? He says, though, even though, man, listen, church, even though I have every right, he says, I've never used any of those rights. He says, and even this letter is not a suggestion that you should pay me. As a matter of fact, I would rather die, Paul says, than anyone discredit my motives, thus hindering the work of God. Listen, I know what you're thinking, but Ben, Paul is this like super Christian. I'm not a super Christian. Paul is like this super saint. I'm not. Listen, the same righteousness that Paul had is in you. The same resurrection power that Paul walked in walks in you. And so we can be exactly this. He can go, listen, people matter. He says, listen, even though we have rights, man, listen, we love you. He says in verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul says, you don't understand. I'm going to recap chapter 9. Paul said, man, I was proclaimed by the Lord Jesus. I was, there was, you don't understand. I am compelled to preach it. Listen to me. Even in the face of opposition. You guys got that. Do you understand? Do you understand? And again, this is not a Sunday morning, you know, feel good message. Why? Because I want you to know, do you understand that if you plan to preach the gospel, the way you live, the way you act, your behavior, how you give, you plan to preach the gospel, there will be opposition. There will be, there will be people opposing you. There'll be people trying to knock you down, trip you up. That's just that there's a spiritual battle going on. And as we get closer to Jesus coming back for us, guys, it's going to get more intense and more intense. They're going to hate Christians. It's a battle. Some people say, well, listen, Pastor, I just, I just want everybody to like me. And I said, well, listen, if you want everybody to like you, be the ice cream man. Because everybody loves the ice cream man as he drives around the neighborhood. But if you're going to preach the gospel, they're not all going to like you. They're not, and you don't understand why. And this is what Paul says. He says, listen, there's opposition. But here's my question to you, and you can write this down. What would our lives look like? What would your, wife, your, your life look like if we were super passionate about Jesus? 
So what would our life look like if we were super passionate about the things of God? Wow. What would happen to this little church if we were all in? When it comes to loving, sharing, giving, serving, we're all in because of the love of Jesus. I wonder what would happen. It would be monstermental. Well, pastor, are you saying that so this little church can grow? We'd grow anyway because, because the gospel's contagious. The gospel's contagious. People see it and they're like, oh, I want that. And that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Paul is saying, listen, I've got to preach the gospel. Verse 17 says, for if I do this willingly, I have reward. But against my will, I have been entrusted with stewardship. What is my reward then, Paul asks? What then I preach the gospel, that I preach the gospel, I present the gospel of Jesus Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Do you see what Paul's saying? Paul looks at him sincerely and he says, listen, if I was doing this on my own motivation, then I would, ex- I would expect support if I was doing this, right? And let me put it to you in modern terms. Well, that guy just, he wants to be a pastor because he wants to make a lot of money. That guy wants to be an evangelist. He wants to do this and, 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 and money is the motivator. Paul says, no, 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 listen, that's not me. He said, listen, in reality, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. Why? He said, because God called me. He called me. He trusted me with the most precious possession. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Check this out. Can you imagine? Here's Jesus, and this is what he does when he came in your heart. He took with the, the very precious, the most precious, precious message in the world. He says, here you go. I'm trusting you with it. Boom, 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 boom. What? What? Yeah, go tell people about my son. See, Paul understood the gospel way deep down that he understood that eternity apart from Christ is, is, we don't play around with that. Eternity separated from a love. Okay, now we got to tell people about Jesus. We got to tell people about Jesus. He says, and you know why? I never charge for it. Why? It's too precious. He says, and I'm compelled to preach the gospel. Number two, the gospel changes me. The gospel changes me. It changes my thinking, and it changes my behavior, and it changes my life. Look at verse 19. He says, for though I'm free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more. Right? Don't you? I just think about this, guys. Think about what Paul said. For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Now, when I read this verse this week, guys, I got to be honest with you. It really spoke to me. You go, why so? Because listen to it in the New Living Translation. It says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. And I go, amen. Why did that speak to you? Because the other day, somebody asked me about being on staff at the church, okay? And they were saying, well, you come to the church and and I have to go and you, Pastor, you really don't have a boss. Like, you don't have a boss coming in your office and saying, okay, what do you have to do? Nine to five, hurry up, you know, we all have bosses, Amen. But pastor works at the church, he doesn't have a boss. And I thought, well, no, but God is my boss, okay? So, uh, yeah, but God's not like walking in the front door and checking on my work, right? Pastor, are you sleeping? What's going on? No, I mean, you understand that. But Paul says here, listen, he says, but you understand, right? You understand that, he says, even though I don't have a physical boss in this church, he says, you understand that I became a slave to all people. He says, y'all are my bosses. You understand that? You all. The love that I have for you is going to make me do the things that I need to do, to study, to pray, 
to go visit you in the hospital, to call you, to text you, whatever it might be, whatever God puts on the heart, that's, you understand that. That's what I'm compelled to do, to win many to Christ, to win many to Christ. That's what Paul says. God has called me, guys. God has called me to make sure that you're well-fed, well-fed, the gospel, that you're cared for and that you're loved on. I can't be everywhere at one place, but you understand. That's, that's what Paul is saying. And then he says in verse 20, and, and he says this, And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Notice what Paul said. Okay, you can, if, if you have a pencil handy, right on verse 20, you could put people matter. Why? Because Paul said, I'm going to live according to Jewish customs, not for my salvation, but I can appeal to those who have lived under the same type of law. That's what Paul is saying. He said, to the Jews, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this way. And then he goes on to say, he says, to the Gentiles, those without the law, as without the law, not being without the law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. Okay? Paul says this, when, 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 I, when I'm hanging around my Jewish friends, I'm going to act Jewish. I'm going to keep, um, you know what? Listen, I'm not going to be over here like, hey, I'm free in Christ. Hey, anybody wants a barbecue? You want a, you want a pork rib, right? Because we know that that would be unkosher to the Jewish people, right? Anybody want a cheeseburger? Paul's not going to do that, right? Because the Jews would go, Paul, you're not under, that's, that's, not, that's against the law. And he says, I'm not under the law, I'm free. Paul says, no, I, I kept a ritual so that I can appeal to them. He says, now, to my Gentile friends over here, listen, we had, we had cheeseburgers and I was cool with that even though I'm Jewish. Okay, we had, we had, you know, we had some, some pork chops that were phenomenal. Paul says that. Why? Because I wanted to appeal to them. Now, what Paul is not saying is that you go, well, listen, I've got a bunch of friends that, that drink a lot, so I'm going to go to and drink with them at the bar so I could win them to Christ. That's not what Paul is saying. Everybody understand that, right? Because that's what a lot of people do. Yeah, the other day I was drunk and I was witnessing to my friend, hey, you need Jesus. I mean, that happens. But that's not, that's not the standard we should go by in winning our friends to Christ. Amen? What, what is Paul saying? Notice the principle. He's saying, listen, first and foremost, he says, you got to understand that I didn't feel it necessary to observe the commands in the law in relation to food. He said, but I did maintain the law of Christ. Now, your question would be, Ben, what's the law of Christ? What's the law of Christ? Well, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is that you and I should bear one another's burdens. You ready? People matter. People matter. And if we're going to have the heart of Christ, we need to have the heart that follows after people, that loves people. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, this is what, this is what I want to do. And he says this, and, and to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. And I became all things, listen, to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now I do this for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker with you. Understand that. He's talking about Jews, he's talking about Gentiles. Now the first thing, there's a couple of points you've got to really grasp from the text, okay? First and foremost, Paul is not advocating syncretism. Syncretism. You go, what does that mean? Remember in the book of Colossians, they were, there was syncretism. They were getting a collection of, of people's thoughts and ideas and religions. 
That's what's kind of happening, okay? And so it'd be like, hey, my neighbor is a Jewish person, and so I'm going to invite him over because he's going to help me think like a Jew, and I've got a Gentile, and I've got this. He says, no, the gospel is pure in its form, so I'm not, I'm not saying that you've got to get Jews and Gentiles and this religion and that religion. He says, that's what I'm saying. He says, what I'm saying is I'm going to be sensitive to my brother and where he's come from, and I'm going to try to walk in that to win him to Christ. That's what Paul is saying, Okay. Paul is teaching us how to live the gospel in everyday life, okay? Everyday life, you go, what is it? Well, first and foremost, everyday life means we need to take a moment to consider our brother's feelings, right? You need to take, okay, where is he from? Where did he grow up? We have a lot of beautiful Catholic brothers and sisters in the world, and, and you don't just sit there and, and, you know, I mean, we don't bash that. We, we say, okay, let's We have a lot of, we have, I mean, we got to consider their feeling. Number two, we got to take a moment to consider your brother's, um, his walk with Jesus. Does he have a walk with, does he know Jesus? Does he have one for real? Is he, where is he at? We got to take a moment to do that. And then we need to take a moment to consider Jesus himself. Lord, where do you, what do you want me to do here? Because there's some times where you got to take a stand, guys. You got to take a stand and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It goes against my belief, my principles. And then there's times when you're like, okay, let me, let me show you where this is in the Bible. Remember, there are different, guys, there are different social circumstances, ethnicities, and religious convictions we have to be aware of. Paul says people matter. Number three, the gospel in real life. And so what Paul does, he says, now let me illustrate it, verse 24 to 27. He says, do you not know that those who run a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now, understand, culturally, guys, all the Greek cities had race courses for runners. Kind of like, I mean, they all had that. So when Paul, listen, it, it would almost be like Paul says, hey, listen, because we're, you know, we're big tech fans, right? We're big tech football fans and basketball fans. We'd be, he would illustrate something that has to do with tech, and every one of us would go, oh, yeah, I get it. I understand that. I understand. Hey, if you're going to play for tech, you're going to go out and win, right? And everybody goes, yeah, wreck up. That's kind of the same idea. So he's really getting to the heart of what they understand. And he says, now, if you're going to run, make sure you run to win. Run to win. And, and here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. If you and I are going to do this Christian thing, can I get an amen? amen. If we're going to do this Christian thing, do it in a way that will blow people away. In other words, run your race. Go for the gold. Run to win. Don't, don't be a Christian and join the race and kind of go, yeah, I'm just going to join the race and, well, whatever. I'm just going to kind of run and I don't care if I win the prize. No, we're all competitive. Let's be honest. Okay, we're very competitive. We should be like that with the gospel. Okay, listen, I'm going, to get, I'm going to do this Christian thing. I'm going to do it with all of my heart, man. I'm going, to, I'm going to win that gold. I'm going to beat everybody. And that's what he's saying. He says, run to win. Now, here's what it means. The gospel in real life, guys, means this, quote, we are people consumed with the passion for God. That's what it means. We're just consumed. It's all part of you. In verse 25, it goes on, he says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do not obtain a perishable crown. Now, they do obtain a perishable crown, but for we, an imper imperishable crown. 
Now, what Paul is saying is this. Think about it, okay? okay? This is real practical. You ready? Every athlete is disciplined in their training. Every athlete is disciplined in their training, right? What they eat, when they sleep, what they put in their mouth, they do it for what? Paul says they do it to win a prize that's going to fade away, Okay? Man, when I was growing up, I used to win trophies all the time, right? Little league trophies, basketball trophies. You know what? Where are they now? I couldn't get an athlete to let me put them inside the house. She said, no, those are from when you were a kid. I said, oh, man. The point is, is that, you know, you win the prize and you're like, listen, I got the trophy. This is amen. I got MVP. This, he says, and it fades away. It fades away. Unless you're Uncle Rico, that's a whole nother sermon right there. But here's what he's saying. The gospel in real life, guys, is we run for an eternal prize. An eternal prize. You go, what's that? Well, first and foremost, guys, you get heaven. You get heaven. An eternal glory with God, guys. An eternal peace, an eternal love. An eternal joy, that's what you win. That prize, that's what you're going for. Number two, you ready? This is going to blow your mind. Your prize is on earth. Earth? I don't want earth. No, no, no. The prize here is Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. I don't want my life to be super miserable and me walk around like Christian Eeyore till the day I die and they go, I'm in heaven, yay. God said, no, I came to give you life. A life that's so deep and so rich and so full. A life, guys, of peace and joy and healing and miracles and love and compassion and all these things and memories. I want to give you a great life. And it doesn't have to be a life that's self-centered or, 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 or all about you. It could be a life that's so focused on God, but all of this is just inclusive of it. That's the life I want to give you. That's the prize you should run. That's an eternal prize. Why? Because I'm, I am certain that somebody's going to walk up to you in heaven and go, thank you so much. Be like, I don't know who you are. Yeah, I saw your life. I saw it. And you spoke one time to me and you told me about Jesus. And I walked away. I didn't give my life to the Lord then, but then I did. And now I'm in heaven because of you. I'm convinced of it, guys. Because there's a lot of people in my Lubbock, Texas that won't read the Bible, but they'll read your life. They'll read your life and they want. And, and the gospel is contagious, guys. It's contagious. Paul says in verse 26, therefore, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself have been disqualified, right? Now, here's what you need to understand, okay? Let me give you the, let me give you the theological um, observation in this, and then we'll talk some application. I want you to understand that Paul is not referring to asceticism or self-abuse, okay? In other words, Paul's not, every time he has a bad thought, he punches himself in the face. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sin! I beat myself. That's not what he's saying, okay? And he's not saying that our wives to beat us up either, okay? Don't, don't hit your husband and be like, see, I told you. That's not what he's saying. He says, he says when I run, thus I fight, he, he says, I'm shadow boxing. Okay, he says, I exercised, listen to me, self-discipline to provide for himself to endure the hardship associated with ministry. I got to discipline myself. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. 
says this. How many of you guys have heard of Romans 8.28? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right? And we love to use that, right? Romans 8.28. But this is actually where Paul penned, penned the phrase from this part, right? He says, I discipline my body to bring it into suggestion, lest when I have preached to others that I myself should be disqualified. In other words, he's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens whatever, whatever state I'm in. If I'm in a good state, if I'm in opposition, if I'm running, if I'm being, whatever it might be, he says, it's Christ who strengthens me. Whatever state I'm in. That's what Paul says, the gospel. Now, as we close, I want to take a moment to think about the gospel in your life. The gospel in your life. Has the Lord Jesus so impacted you that nothing else matters? Has the gospel, so has, has he, is he, let me just say this. If I were to squeeze you, would Jesus come out? You're so saturated with him. That love. Nothing else matters. Think about what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our soul. We are to love our Lord, right? Anything else. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Why would he say that second? Think about it. Because if you love God, guess what's going to happen? Everything else is going to be taken care of. If you are so saturated with Jesus, everything else is going to be taken care of. You're going to love people. It's just amazing how the Bible just talks like that, right? Jesus says, abide in me. You want to live? Abide in me. Make yourself at home with me. Make sure you're so in love with me and everything else will be taken care of. So he's not saying you need to choose this or your family. He's not saying you need to choose this or this. He's saying be so in love with me, nothing else matters, and everything else will be given to you. That's what he's saying. But we've got it backwards. Listen to me. This is how it should be in your life. God is number one. God is above. God is all in all. Amen? Second is family. Your wife. Your wife first, then the kids. Don't put the kids above the wife. Your wife first. Minister to her. Minister to your husband. And then ministry. And then ministry. That's what he's saying. Think about it, guys. Has the gospel of Jesus dug a hole so deep in your soul that you're completely passionate about Jesus and serving him? Listen, here's the difference. I have to go to church. No, no, no. We get to go to church. We get to serve the Lord. What a privilege. What an honor. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Think about Paul. What has changed his life? What was it? I want it. Listen, I'm, I'm in Lubbock, Texas. I'm not writing three quarters of the Bible, but I want what Paul has. I want the joy. I want the peace. And when opposition comes, I want to say, hey, don't, don't run. We're still here. Because God's got this. I want that. Do you want that? We got to ask Paul, what is that gospel? Get that gospel deep in my heart. Give me all of all that you have for me, Lord.
I don't want a partial gospel where I simply believe and then I go through the motions. And one day I get to heaven and I'm ashamed because I shouldn't even be. Oh, Lord, I didn't. No, no, no. Passionate. Consumed for Jesus. Amen? Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that man, you just spoke to us, Lord. And I just thank you how you intervened in people's life. And I thank you that you are the center of everything here. And we praise you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the honor and glory. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. And Lord, with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe there was somebody here who has, has walked away from you for just a moment, Lord, who's stepped back, who's not all consumed with you, Lord. They've allowed the world, they've allowed a few of the things to just kind of infiltrate their heart. God, I pray for them right now. I pray that, God, every one of us in this room would just, just love you, be on fire for you. With every love that we can muster in our heart, God, that goes towards you, and then everything else will be taken care of. You'll give us enough love to put for our wife and our kids and our grandkids and our brothers and our sisters, and you'll just give us love. So, Lord, we thank you. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.